So many things have ruined my childhood So I go online to bitch and cry It feels like all of Hollywood is up against me They even made Optimus Fly New versions of what I grew up with Are being remade, rebooted and retried My adolescence is under attack now I think that a part of me has died Aliens, uh -huh, uh -huh. Predators, uh -huh, uh -huh. Marvel, uh -huh, uh -huh. DC, uh -huh, uh -huh. maybe it doesn't all quite stay. Okay, well, except maybe for that Jar Jar Binks. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Podcast Ruined My Childhood. I'm Phil, and with me is Eric. Eric, how's it going? Clack, 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 clack. I don't know how to do a predator noise. It knows how to hunt. I know how to survive. That's a, as good a predator noise as we can get. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. This week, we're going to be talking about Prey. New Predator movie just came out this year in 2022. And it is directed by Dan Trachtenberg, who is most well known from 10 Cloverfield Lane. And it's starring quite a few uh, newcomers or people that have been around for a little while but haven't done anything major. So Amber Midthunder. Um, Dakota Beavers, and Dane DeLegro, who plays the Predator, uh, or Feral Predator, as he's being called online. Uh, so I don't think we need to get too far into Predator lore or Predator, the Predator franchise, because if you go back, way back to, I think it's our second episode, we did the Predator franchise. Yes. Um, and I mean, that was a that was a long time ago. But anybody, if you're interested in what we think about the entire franchise as a whole, take a look back at our episode two. Um, but I do think we're going to have some some connections back to the first, the original and Predator 2 while we talk about this, this movie. But we'll spend most of the time just going through Prey, which um, spoiler alert, uh, spoiler alert. If you follow me anywhere, you know my feelings about this movie already. But Eric, you and I haven't talked since you just watched it. So I'm really interested to get your thoughts on where this sits in the franchise and what you just thought about it as a movie in general. So let's get right into it. Um, this movie came out on August 5th on Hulu, direct to Hulu. Uh, in my opinion, it definitely should have had a wide release in theaters, but that's neither here nor there right now. Um, so Eric, what are, what are your initial thoughts before we get into the full story, what are your initial thoughts on Prey? Initial thoughts. It's a Predator movie, um, but I just found it to be just a movie. Um, 
I think Predator as a property, and the more I've thought about this, uh, it, it's sort of a one-note kind of kind of property, really. I mean, the, the Predator is basically a, a boogeyman, you know? Yep. And, and there's nothing, there, there's no development to him. There's no more, like, real backstory. Like, I mean, they've even, at least tried to, like, give Freddy Krueger, like, more of a backstory in some new movies. You know, Michael Myers, they've tried to develop his his backstory a little bit more. Um, but but for the most part, the Predator is just, just a one-note villain. The, the original was very simple. We didn't know anything about it. It was just a creature from space, uh, came here to mm-hmm. hunt, and ran into Arnold and his team. And and then this movie, essentially, um, and you have mentioned it, uh, is probably about the closest to the original Predator as we've seen. And to that end, it didn't give me anything more in the franchise because, again, it's just an alien that's here to hunt. And this mm-hmm. time he happened to be hunting in the 1700s when modern technology uh, wasn't available to us humans. So people are fighting with very primitive weapons. Even even the f- couple guns that are in it are, are really primitive. Yep. Which was sort of a funny scene when they... Yeah. They shoot at him, and then they quick reload. Because I think, uh, I think it's George Carlin does a bit about you know what that had to have been like back then, where it takes you like five minutes to load your gun, and then you shoot, and then I missed, and then <laughs> it takes you five minutes to reload your gun. Yep. So yeah, uh, initially, um, I was I was unfortunately a little uh, a little bored with the first probably half hour, 40 minutes, because again, these characters don't know who or what the predator is. They don't know what's going on, but I do as an audience member. So I was not in the mood to watch a bunch of people stumble around going, what is it? What is it? This is weird. Oh, oh no, this happened. That happened. And I just, until it really heated up in the middle, uh, I, I was just like, hey, it's it's Predator. He's doing what Predator does. They're doing what a Predator movie does. It's not overly complicated, and it's just it's just a movie. Yeah. Well, so I I think that this was a really strong character piece, a character film that had a Predator in it. I think it was a really strong Indigenous peoples film with a predator in it. And that's where I think it's a bit different than any of the other predator movies is that you actually get to care about characters. You get to form your relationships with characters. And that's what the whole first 30 minutes is all about. Naru, who is the main character, um, there, this is part of the Comanche nation. So they're Comanche warriors and Comanche, um, uh, Comanche people that are just part of this tribe and we learn about what you know what their roles are and what how they contribute to their their community and naru is a woman who who a young woman who wants to be a hunter she wants to fight she wants to go out with her brother and the other men and prove that she's just as strong as they are 
And the whole first 30 minutes is everyone telling her that she needs to stay in her lane and do her job as part of the community. And she continually disregards them like many of the action hero women that we get in in the 80s and 90s. She kind of goes against the grain and does some pretty amazing stuff. And I think it was really great to see her evolve as the movie went on because she learned a lot of things really quickly that she needed to learn to take on this foe. And so again, I, I think it was a really strong character piece with a predator. I didn't really feel a, I didn't really, I didn't really feel a connection though. No, I'm not saying that anybody acted poorly or, or anything like that. I just, I didn't really feel a, a connection, I guess, because again, I kind of was a little, like you said, the first 30 minutes, she's just being told, you know, you're not a hunter, you stay in your lane. And I got just tired of that because again, it's just, you know, following the clues and figuring out that there's something crazy big out there. That's not like anything we've ever seen. And of course, certain people, you know, aren't believing it and then you got to get them to believe it. And then by the time they do, it's too late. I just, I just saw too much of the formula of this type of movie because right from the get-go, when I saw who our uh, protagonist was, I'm like, okay, so she's either going to fight him to a draw and they're going to have mutual respect or she's going to kill it and everybody's going to be like, wow, you are a great hunter. And obviously, the more I'm watching it, it seems like fighting to a draw um, and getting respect from the predator isn't what her character wanted. So of course she's going to have to kill it somehow and fighting a predator with primitive weapons just wasn't, uh, it just wasn't doing it for me. I mean, again, it wasn't terrible. I just, uh, yeah, I, I just didn't, I just didn't feel it the way you seem to be feeling huh. it. Okay. And I wonder if it has anything to do with me seeing it in a theater because I did see it, uh, at the screening at San Diego comic-con. Um, and it was beautiful. It's a beautifully shot film. Was it a crowded uh, theater? It was, yeah, it was full. Yeah. Was full. That, that I had, to, had, I had to stand on the side. That might have had something to do with it. Feeling the energy, the gasps or mm -hmm. oohs, ahs, whatever, you know. The cheers. I mean, there was so much that the energy, you're right, the energy of the theater really helped me. But I did watch it again, and I enjoyed it just as much, if not more, because I saw things that I didn't necessarily see the first time. Um, so I'm, I'm all on board with this film. I love how Dan Trachtenberg shot it. I love, uh, Amber who plays Naru. I think she's a phenomenal heroine. And I really liked the predator, the feral predator, as they call him, because he felt like a predator, but he also felt like he also was a bit, um, primitive. You know, his his weapons weren't the same as the Predator in the future 300 years later um, because obviously their technologies evolved also. Well, that's a great point because that is where I probably found the biggest disconnect is he's, even though he didn't have his lasers and all of that stuff, he still had way too many tricks and technological tricks that the trappers and Naru's people and 
all just, you know, 1700 style technology just couldn't match. And he seemed to use them in a very inconsistent manner. Um, like he'd throw out the bomb when he felt like he needed to. And then that takes out a bunch of enemies at once. He tossed that net trick out there. He, he still had laser guided arrows, I guess they were. Yep. And he seemed to just use those indiscriminately as well. And in my book, the predator is virtually unstoppable. I mean, unless like you get him down to, you know, the Arnold level, which I thought is what made the ending of the original Predator so cool, is he decided we're going man to man on this or man to Predator, and I'm taking off all of my advantages. But in this, he never had that moment with Naru where it's like, yeah, these are kind of cheaters. We're going to go at this. Yeah. Well, you she know, never really, until the very end of their fight, she didn't have, um, she didn't really lose all of her weapons either. Because if during their fight, she continued to have weapons, even if she took one of his, she still was fighting with True. Something. So I think that's... But her weapons, though, were not nearly as powerful yeah, as Yeah, but his. that's never cared, the Predators never cared about that. They just, they just care that you have a weapon at all. And they don't even, they can't even see it, right? Because they have their thermal vision. They can just tell that there's some kind of weapon. They don't know what it is. Sure. So I think that that kind of plays into it too. And I, I really liked how it ended, but we'll get there in a, in a little bit. Um, so regardless of the primitive weapon aspect of it, um, for both the Predator and the, the humans, I do, you know, I'll say it again. I think that the the lead up to it was really, really well done. And the first time we actually get the predator fighting humans is when, um, you know, they they her tribes men, I guess her tribesmen find her and tell her that she needs to come back with them because they've been looking for her. And the predator comes out and just decimates three of the guys really quickly. The fight was brutal and it was intense and it was quick and I I loved it. I thought this movie above any of the other Predator movies was much more realistic in how they fought and much more brutal in how they fought. So I was I was on board. Uh right from when, you know, the Predator met the humans. Yeah. I don't know how you felt. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't bad i just um again i i just didn't i this is just one of those movies where really i don't have a a ton to really really say about it except it i watched it it was a movie it's part of what is this the seventh installment if you combine any avps predator movie yeah so I, i don't know i mean i just i don't know if this story needed to be told at this point i get that we're trying to you know introduce a more diverse kind of pop culture cast into the predator franchise but to do it in the seventh installment Mm -hmm. just seems like it took too long to get there Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? Like, it just, like, again, I appreciate all that. I, I just, there's nothing new to this one. Again, it, it is. It's pretty much a reboot yeah, of the yeah. original as far as the pacing and all that, but it just didn't. It's sort of like the Batman. When we talked about the Batman, that was a great movie. Like the action was cool. The 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 story was pretty good, but it didn't have any good dialogue. And that's what was missing from this one too for me is the and again, not that a movie has to be quotable. But again, you leave a musical and you can't sing one song when you leave. I The only line in this, you know, was the classic, if it bleeds, we can kill it. And I knew that was coming about 10 minutes in. I was like, somebody's going to say it. And I was already prepared, like, am I going to like it or not? And I, yeah, it was a draw. I didn't hate it, but it just, it didn't really make me go, ooh, as much as Get to the Chopper did in... <laughs> the predator right that made me laugh that got a reaction when he said it 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 was just sort of flat like well did they just again check a box cram that in there i don't know i think it it evolved uh, in the story well and again it seeing it with people i'm sure did it because when he said it and i think everybody in the theater hoped it was going to happen but you don't know if it's going to or not. You don't know if they're going to be that deliberate. And when he, when Dakota Beaver's character of Tabe said it, everybody cheered. And that's that's the kind of experience you want in a movie like this, where if you look, the Predator franchise is not well-liked. It's It doesn't have high ratings on IMDb or Rotten Tomatoes. The only one that does really well in that sense is the original. And this movie had such uh, parallels to the original that it's got to be better than all the others. You know, it, it just had to be just by pure sake of getting back to the roots of what the franchise is, where some of the other movies have tried to do too much in building out Predator lore. But like you said, the Predator is a one-note villain. So how do you build out the lore and make it fresh, it's really hard to do that when we don't get anything different in each movie from the villain. Agreed. So this one, yep. going back to the roots of what the series is all about, I think was as fresh of a take, even though it's a retread, it's as fresh of a take as they could have done and balanced it really well with this indigenous story. And that's that's part I of the... Agree. That's part of the... I think the... Um, uniqueness for the film is that it's not just another predator story it's a story about a native american tribe and a lot of the film has them speaking in comanche there's also on hulu a full comanche version which has english subtitles which the actual cast recorded themselves so even though it's dubbed and their mouths move differently to what's being said it's the actual cast that's saying all of the lines in Comanche, which I'm, I haven't watched. I, I just watched a clip of it, but I will watch eventually just so that I can hear it in the native language. And I think that's a really, really bold and interesting thing to have done. Um, the main producer, Jane Myers, on this film is Comanche. 
and she works for 20th Century Studios. And so it's just kind of by pure luck that she got brought on this and became a producer for this. But this film was really important to her to show people the uh, her her um history and everybody the great thing about seeing this in that theater is that after the movie the main five people from the film came down and did a Q&A so Dan Trachtenberg the director Jane Myers the producer and then Amber Midthunder who's Naru Dakota Beavers who's Tabe and Dane Delegro who's the predator all came down and did this this great Q&A afterwards which just added to the experience and Amber Midthunder gave this great speech where she got choked up and she was crying while she was talking about how the the responsibility of being this character who is a native character an indigenous character would mean to so many people out in in the United States and in Canada and and you know frankly the world because there's not enough representation out there and so her being able to play a character that she wished she could have seen on the screen when she was a kid knowing that she's now going to be this character for other kids that are of native descent was really impactful and again it just made me feel more for this movie it made me care more about what i just saw and made me really feel like I was part of something special. And so I think all that plays into why I really enjoyed it as much as I did uh, and will always enjoy it when I go back and watch it is I'll have those memories. And that's kind of different than anybody else will. But I will say this film is getting a lot of high praise. And I think, again, it's because it, it goes back to the original roots and it tells this really interesting character piece. And... It's just, I, I think it's just well done, unlike many of the other Predator movies, which seem kind of forced. Yeah, they, they put way too much uh, story into the Predator in the other movies because, again, the Predator, you can't develop anything on the Predator side, so you've got to make it all on whatever humans are dealing with the Predator or whatever. Um, yeah, the action was good, and and I guess maybe having an experience like that, I would have like felt more about it. But again, just watching it as a predator film, it was like, ah, I know how the first 30, 40 minutes goes. This is how we're doing it. Okay, cool. Here's some action. I mean, like the one guy goes all Hawkeye with the bow and arrow. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool. You know, there's some really good, uh, again, there's really good stunt fighting and that's, what's always been, neat with the predator is watching a big hulky creature like that you know when he's not cgi'd in his uh right you know cloaked form yeah he's very impressive very intimidating which is the whole point and then uh naru is funny she kept doing that run slide thing and that the first time she did it i was like oh that was cool but then she did it like two, three more times, and that started making me laugh only because, like, I remember in uh, uh, Brad Pitt plays Achilles, what mm-hmm. Troy? Yeah, Troy. He had that he had that jump kick move <laughs> that he would do when he would like take out an enemy. It was like jump kick, 
and then stab, jump, kick, stab. And anyway, after the, like, I think it was the third time she did it, I, I chuckled a little because I, I felt like it was like a video game. It was like, that's the cool move to <laughs> quick slide, grab a weapon, quick slide, grab a weapon. Yeah. And anyway, yeah, really neat action and everything. But at the end of the day, you know, just as a movie, taking the personal part out of it for her and obviously the experience you had just flat out watching it like I did. I just feel like it's the seventh installment. It's not really new. It's, it's probably a faithful interpretation of what the original premise was. But, but when you come to some of these sequels anymore, I think, I think, you know, you just need to stop after two, right? Like you had the first predator in the jungle Predator 2, they fought in the city. You're done. You know, it's just like Rush Hour, right? Jackie Chan comes to Los Angeles. Chris Tucker goes to Shanghai. You know, mm -hmm. Shanghai noon. Yep. <laughs> Jackie Chan comes to America. Owen Wilson goes to London. Crocodile Dundee, you go to Australia. And then he actually crammed two movies into one. Yep. And he came to America at the end of the first Crocodile Dundee. And then the second Crocodile Dundee was the reverse. They started in America. Then they went to yep. Australia. You know, like the great Muppet caper, you go to England and then you go to Manhattan <laughs> karate kid, you fight in America and then you go fight in, uh, uh, Okinawa. So <laughs> it's like, there's a certain, there's a certain sequelness to this. And, mm -hmm. and I think once we had the predator fight in the jungle and then we had a predator fight in the city, ah, what else do you do with them? I don't know. That's about it. <laughs> yeah. Well, now you go in the woods. This film was shot up in Canada, in in Calgary, just outside of Calgary, in Alberta, and it's beautiful. So, where does this fit in the timeline of? Because weren't aliens bringing predators or predators bringing aliens to Earth for like centuries, and that's what the whole temple was up in the Arctic. Yeah, we don't want to talk about that movie. Well, <laughs> I'm just curious because yeah. I just was thinking like, okay, so this is 1700s. Well, we know the the aliens and whatever they've been incubating them up in that temple. So, yeah, I don't know. Not that it has to, quote, fit perfectly like a puzzle, but it just it just made me wonder like on the timeline, like if they've got that temple up there, well, then we'll, it, did this guy just go... You know, you know what, guys? I don't want to go to the Arctic, but Canada's beautiful. <laughs> well, it's supposed to be the Comanche Nation, which is in the U.S., which is parts of Texas, um, Nevada, Colorado, Utah. So it's it's this I think is supposed to take place probably Colorado Mountains, Utah Mountains, something like that. Right. Well, but, but I mean, yeah. that's my point. Like, I think well, they've been flying by Earth all these years, and it's like, you know what? I'm tired of going to that snow place. Uh, that that temple's boring. You know what? I saw some pretty cool hills. I think I want to go hunt yeah. there. Well, I think I, take, I think I'm, part I'm, of this. I'm taking two weeks. <laughs> yeah, take two weeks and just go and hunt, and then you guys pick me up later because he gets dropped off, right? He, it's not. His. That was my impression. Was he got yeah, dropped he off? He did. Yes. He did. They the ship came down. He got out, and then the ship took off. Um, I think I think what they are establishing, and I think they established it in Predator Two is that they've come throughout history. Right. And 
this is probably not the first time they fought humans um, or hunted humans. I think they just go to different parts of different worlds and see, you know, who, what the most dangerous game is. And in this one, it just so happened that this one feral predator went to the Comanche nation and got his ass handed to him. And see, and that's interesting too, because like, again, just looking at the rest of the predator lore. So like predator two, that was, you know, a fight to a draw or, or he killed 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 one. He killed him, but then the rest of the predator saw him as an equal or worthy or whatever. And so they, and I think when he was in their spaceship at the end, like, I think he saw like artifacts from all different times from other time periods. Yeah. Yeah. So it is, you know, they do come here. And then what, what's the one called where with uh, Adrian Brody predators predators. Mm -hmm. So, so here we go again. It's like, well, what do you do with these guys? Well, apparently one of them had a bright idea. Like, Hey guys, instead of hunting on earth this time, what if we took a bunch of those earthlings to another planet? Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> like, yeah, I wonder I if it's know, like man. different like, sects of predators. You know, they have like different religions on their planet. And so some of them go hunt at different planets and some of them bring people or animals to their planet. It was weird. Right. So, so again, that's, that's, and again, it doesn't have any bearing directly on this mm-hmm. film per se, as much as my joke of, you know, guys, I'm tired of hunting in the Arctic. You know, that, that was that mountain that looked beautiful. Tell you what, give me two weeks, <laughs> let me have a little fun, then I'll come up to the Arctic. But drop me off on your way. Mm-hmm. So, like all these predators are just finding different ways to amuse themselves. Yep. Like, let's take these humans <laughs> to another planet. But then that begs the question too, like in predators, if they took a bunch of humans that they deem to be the most dangerous humans, but they fight aliens too like the aliens are clearly more of a challenge than the humans are i mean we only win because we're writing the movies (laughs) (laughs) right well i think i think uh what they show in predators is that it's not just humans they bring to that planet they bring all different types of aliens to fight oh were there there were other there were other types of alien creatures on the planet and the predators killed them. Oh, I guess so. Because like the humans fought one yeah, because they didn't know what it was. Yeah, that's right. So there's, there's precedent that they're fighting other on other planets with other beings. And some of them just come to earth to fight humans. Some of them come to earth to fight aliens because maybe aliens don't have a planet. I don't know. Since aliens take on a host and they kind of become partially what their host was. So who, I don't know who knows, who knows what that whole deal is. But I think this movie kind of only uses predator one and two as part of its canon and everything else isn't really, doesn't really exist. Right. And it doesn't really need to. And it should, Um, (laughs) it should all never have been made. This also didn't the last one before this which i think was the predator mm-hmm. didn't that one leave off with a bit of a cliffhanger slash yeah. sequel potential yeah, it sure did so at the end of the predator they got basically a whole predator's outfit and all of their technology 
and the main character, whoever the heck that was. What was his name? Um, that guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, the guy. The guy who played the main guy. Um, he, his name is Boyd Holbrook. He was um, going to wear the suit to fight other predators. That's kind of where they left off. That was going, that's how they, where they were going to go. And I think the whole reason, so, I mean, that movie did horribly. It didn't fare well in theaters and a lot of people didn't like it. And you and I talked about how like we got guilty pleasure out of it, but not that it was good. Mm-hmm. Um, right after that movie was made and came out and maybe not right after, maybe another year or so later there, Disney bought 20th century. And so any plans that there were for continuing that Predator franchise, that part of the franchise, were thrown out. And so this movie, Prey, is the brainchild of 20th century under Disney. Which I think it shows because it is a much higher quality movie than the other three to four we've gotten before this. So why go to Hulu with it? Well, I think the problem is that the pandemic put a lot of put a lot of pressure on different studios to find different ways to get films out there. And instead of rethinking the strategy for 20th century films, they're kind of just letting them all go to Hulu without a theatrical release. And whether or not that's the right decision up to this point, it is the decision they made. I think there's one film coming out in the fall that's going to theaters. And Maybe it's just that the plan was to not put things in theaters until the fall, so they didn't change that plan. But this was filmed during the height of the pandemic up in Calgary. It was all done last year in 2021 throughout the summer when numbers were high. So it was a very, very hard shoot for them up there as far as COVID compliance goes. Um, But... You know, it was a pretty contained shoot, too, where there wasn't a huge cast. There was a very big crew, but there wasn't a huge cast. So they could they could stay safe. There weren't that many positives. They could stay safe, but it was just difficult. And so the strategy for, for 20th century films is put them day and date on Hulu so that people will see them. And the world has yeah. changed, so I think they should have changed the strategy, especially for this movie, because this is so big, and the action is so big, and it's so fast-paced once you get to that 35-minute mark. It needs to be seen on a big screen. And it's sad that it isn't. I just wondered, yeah. you know, what your thoughts were, or if you knew yeah, anything, no, I mean, which it sounds like. I do. I know, because that's my world. You know, I work... For the studio in COVID compliance. So it's, uh, I hear a lot and I see a lot. Um, getting back to the film, I know that you you have an issue with how it ended, uh, or at least you're thinking, I, I kind of gather that you have an issue with how it ended because she used his technology against him. Um, oh, no, I don't have an issue against. No, no, no. No, that was fine. Okay. Um, I think it was cool that she recognized the fact that that, laser sight from his helmet is what those arrows it followed you know the arrows followed that um and i think with her recognizing it she did the best thing she could which was set up a trap for him using it and i again 
it echoed Arnold in the first movie. It was basically beat oh, for yeah. beat. He goes and realizes he needs to fight the predator and that he can stay hidden if he stays in mud, which is masking his body temperature. And he sets up a bunch of booby traps. She does the same thing, except they have this orange flower that when you eat it, it immediately cools your body temperature. And she's already saved one to two people by giving it to them. So we have this precedent set early on in the movie that it can cool you down. She recognizes it. Right. And so she uses it to fight him. And I think, again, very smart. I thought the first time she fell into that mud pit that she was going to realize that she needed to put that mud on herself, just like Arnold used mud. Well, and I'm, and glad, see, I'm glad she I didn't. Yeah. didn't. Yeah. Yeah, because that would have been. But I did like that they brought the mud back around mm-hmm. as a something the predator would not see. Yep. It was quicksand, basically, that right. he fell in. Right. And then, yeah, he was able to lift right. himself out of it because he's eight feet tall. But but the point was just that it right. was enough of a trap a delay to get him where he needed to be stationary mm-hmm. for the whatever, three, four, ten seconds to get that laser sight yep. on him. So, yeah, that all worked for me. And, yes, it's very reminiscent of the original. So it, it is – it was, I guess, in one – aspect of it it was neat to see a remake that it did stay true to the original so when you talk about just making a straight remake to something but it also added that element of again kind of primitive weapons spears Mm -hmm. arrows instead of machine guns because we i mean Let's face it, we've seen enough machine guns up against Predators to this point, right? I mean, I don't remember if Danny Glover used a machine gun in Predator 2, but he definitely had a handgun. I don't think he used a machine gun. Yeah, so at least this... um... But other people did. I mean, in in Predator 2, the gang gang bangers had machine guns. Well, right, right, yeah. So there, so we've seen enough machine guns against predators, which is really the only thing that you know we can use ultimately, or their own technology against them. But uh, see, and you're saying that the technology is like that he still had too much of an advantage technologically. I think, I think there was a lot of alliteration when it comes to his weapons versus their weapons because they had spears and he had a retractable spear that he could break into two and use as swords also. And I thought, or a club, one was a club and one was a sword. And I, I thought that was cool. He had arrows, sure, laser-guided arrows, but they used bow and arrows, and he had his arrows. They used a net on him, so he used a net on one of them. His net just can collapse into itself, where their net did nothing. <laughs> and they had guns, and he had those little charges that were kind of little, I guess, mini bombs or whatever they were that, and that was supposed to be, you know, their guns were, they use gunpowder and explosions to shoot the bullets. And so he used an explosion against them. So everything thematically was the same. It was the same weapons, just the predator's version of those weapons. And I thought that was really cool. Uh, yeah. Laser guided, though, metal. You know, he's also got the 
the the the hand, yeah, claw. the hand claw. That's awesome. So it's just it's it's advantage predator all the way around, unless he, you know, is an idiot. And he did. And I wouldn't even say he's an idiot, but he 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 got he got stuck in the sand. Uh, that was his downfall there. Mm-hmm. I mean, he could have just leapt right on top of her and laser or not even laser, but just hand clawed her right yeah. there. You know, there's just so many. He could have, but he didn't think he had to, right? Would you think you had to jump over something you didn't know was there? Oh, for effect. <laughs> to make it look badass. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So like I'm silhouetted against the moonlight as I'm coming in. All right, Batman. <laughs> no, that's true. Yeah, he wouldn't have to jump if he didn't know there was something there in the first place. But uh, it, it, I, I just still think that the, the Predator has just been made. And, and of course, he had to be made way too strong from the jump because he was fighting Arnold, right? Right. It had to be a challenge for a man of Arnold's size. It had to be a challenge to go up against like 12 of them, Jesse the Body Ventura and Carl yeah. Weathers and uh, all the rest of them who also had these giant machine guns and weaponry and everything. So, so the Predator initially had to be made to handle all that as a single entity. But now I think that's where that advantage has now come around to kind of bite the franchise because now it's it's like I said it's like uh, I don't yeah. know. So we we jumped over a lot, and I don't think there's really a need to go back and hit beat by beat. But I do want to just touch on Dakota Beaver's Tabe. He was kind of a standout in the film for me. Dakota, it was his first time really acting. And he did a really good job, in my opinion. Um, yeah, he's, pretty good. He's the type I, of character that I didn't like at first. And then I wound up really liking by the end when he sacrificed himself to save her. Um, I just thought it was a really good like come around where he had said to her when she needed to do her hunt, where something hunts you, you know, that he told her what you say to the mountain lion when he was letting her take that step and she failed. I like that he said it about himself to her to say, this is what I'm doing. I know that I'm sacrificing myself so you can go on to win later. I thought that was great. And I thought he did just a phenomenal, phenomenal job. But yeah, um, he was good. I didn't have a problem with it. Just I, I think you just had a better experience. Yeah, for sure. I sure did. And then, like, even at, at Comic Con the next day, all the cast had to leave because they had to go to the UK because they were doing a UK press junket. Um, and so my job with health and safety is to make sure people are testing and cleared to go work everywhere they need to go. So we got them tested before going to Comic Con, and now we were getting them tested to travel and work in the UK. And I got to go and be there when Dan got tested and talk to him about the film and the experience that I had the night before. And Jane Myers, the producer, I went and I was with her in a room for 15 minutes while we were waiting for her test to come back. And 
just able being able to talk to them about their experience on set with my knowledge of what they did versus, you know, what their experience was and then hearing them the night before, it was just it added to it even more. And Dane was the nicest guy who plays the predator. He's like seven six. He used to be a basketball player. He and I chatted. He came to the the suite that we were all in where we were working, our little command center. And he and I chatted for a bit and we took a photo together that I posted online. And he's just he was a really nice guy. And so I again, yeah, I had this awesome experience. And I I'm very lucky and fortunate that I was able to have that experience. And that just enhances the movie for me. Nobody else can feel what I felt seeing it and then talking to these people and knowing what they went through a year ago with everything we had to do to get them, you know, to keep them safe up in Canada. I even was part of the first meeting when this film was greenlit and we knew we were going to start casting. The executive producer, Marty Ewing, and I and my director were all on a call together talking about how we were going to film this up in Canada where we had no COVID presence whatsoever. The only reason I was on the call was because I managed testing and I was the one that had to source a vendor for them. I had to find out how we were going to test in this remote part up in the mountains outside of Calgary. And my director had to hire somebody that was going to be on site as the health and safety manager. And after that meeting with Marty and his assistant, they sent me a list of the people that they were thinking about casting. And so all of the main cast, I had to figure out where to get them tested back in their home location. Many of them lived on reservations where it's hours to get to a testing site. And we had to fly them to LA for chemistry reads and then fly them up to Canada when they were actually cast and hired. It was just like, I feel this emotional connection to the film because I saw it from almost day one on through the whole production to actually seeing it the first time it was ever shown in the theater. Yeah. You had a hand in this. I mean, this, that's, that's, I mean, again, all I did was watch it here in my living room, you know? Well, I mean, for real, you know, I was just a viewer. I was an audience. That was it. I was general public. So, so to me, it was like, that's predator film, but obviously you had a stake in its creation. So of course, you know, when you've got that kind of connection to it, and I'm not saying your view is skewed. I'm just saying it is. it's, I think, why we both just had different experiences with it. Dude, if I had been a part of it, you know, it's the same thing with Boba Fett, where I yeah, I did the health and safety there. Now, parts of Boba Fett weren't great, but I still remember I was there when that happened. You know, yeah. I feel like I was kind of along with that, even though... You know, parts of it's like, ah, oh, it wasn't, but man, that was an experience. So, so I can see where you would, uh, you would feel a lot more like, oh, wow, this is almost like my film, which is now leading me to, do you even have a credit in this no, being no, that? I don't get a credit. Oh, I never get it. Really? I never get credited. But the health and safety, what do they the just on-site. get a general? The onsite. Yeah. The manager, the supervisor and the testing coordinator are the only ones that got credit on this. And you can go when you watch the credits, you can see they call them COVID compliance, I think or health and safety managers, but Corinna Johnston, Francois Gallant, and Tuled, uh, I forget her last name, Giovanni, something like that. But yeah, they're they're credited, and they were on site every single day in this really rough shoot that they had. I would have thought, like, you know, for all your work 
to, you know, <laughs> something coordinator even. Dude, I would, but hey, I'd you know, myself, I'd, I'd have an IMDb page if I ever got credited because I've been part of some really cool stuff from Star Wars to Marvel to Disney to, to 20th century and even Searchlight Picture. Right. Well, anyway, not to take anything away from the actual film itself and all the other points you've made, but it it does seem like, you you know, you've got a more skin in the game on this one than than just average Joe watching at home. I'm just really happy to see that it's getting such positive buzz online um, because I think it deserves it and I really think it deserved a wide release in theaters. And I hope because of all this positive buzz, they actually do film another one. Now, at the very end, when they're playing the credits, the credits are, I I don't know if you watched all the way through the first section of the credits, but the credits are basically what indigenous drawings are, Native American drawings are, of everything that happened. And Yeah, I I watched for a few minutes. So right, the last drawing is she brings the head and gives it to the chief and the chief makes her the war commander. Mm-hmm. And the very next one after that is all the, these three ships coming out of the sky and the, mm-hmm. the, the tribe pointing at them. And so I think that's going to lead, you know, that they're setting it up for a sequel. Even if, you know, if you don't watch the credits, you wouldn't know that they're setting it up. Um, but that kind of a way I didn't watch all yeah, of that's it. kind yeah. of a way that they can get away with it because the other piece that that leads to other films is that gun that the guy gave her. It's inscribed with somebody's name in the year 1715. Well, that's the gun that the predator gives Danny Glover at the end of Predator 2 when they are respecting him and they give him a gift as a sign of respect. Oh, that's that the gun. is the gift, huh? Yeah. And so they're they're going to come down, and somehow the predators have to get that gun back. So this very well could lead to a sequel where it shows them get the gun back, either through more fighting or respect or something. But it's uh well, or I mean, or you know, Naru's death. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm I'm assuming. You know, takes a trophy. Yeah, I'm assuming that would happen that she'd die and then we get you know the next section continuation of the story cool yeah i figured that gun had something to do with it because they did close up of it but i didn't remember that that was the gun yeah yeah that was the gift they gave her so it was cool even if it, it doesn't go anywhere and we don't get any more that tie directly to this timeline it was just really fun to see that that uh that relic that was used in predator 2 they thought enough about the lore of what's been set up in predator 1 and 2 to pay respect to it right so, I liked it. so anyway we've talked enough about prey <laughs> um so eric did prey ruin your childhood no it was just you know and i guess without having such an incredible experience around it. Uh, it was just another predator movie for me. Um, it, it did follow the, uh, original pretty, pretty closely and had some, you know, pretty, pretty good action. 
like the the middle when it really heats up was is pretty slick. Mm-hmm. Um, it just uh, just ultimately, yeah, just another predator movie. Yeah. Okay. I so where not to jump before I tell my piece, but where would you rank this? <sighs> now, see, because I've stressed before that I'm a fan of good dialogue and cool lines and a little bit of wit. I'd probably put this behind, well, the original, and then it's it's behind The Predator because I had a little more fun with The Predator. And then this probably, I'd have to see it again because it's been a minute since I saw it. Um, This is maybe just ahead of predators or maybe right next to it because I liked, I liked predators. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. So it's, it's, it's third, third or tied for third or maybe slightly fourth, but, okay. but I definitely put the original and the predator first for yeah. it. Wow. The predator, the one that was most recent that wasn't yes. good, but was funny, right? Was Funny and fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So for me, this didn't ruin my childhood. This way enhanced my childhood. I loved this film. And yeah, I have a very skewed view of the film. But even taking it on its own merit, I love the story. I love the characters. I love the backdrop of this this great like national park up in Alberta. And if I were to rank this, I I may even go better than the first one. This may be my number one. And that's hard to say because the original is so iconic, but the original is schlocky 80s, terrible, great action, if that makes sense. Like, it's so bad it's good at times, and it's so good that it's great at times. Um, It is iconic. It's got such great lines. Like you said, it's very quotable. But it's... It's really slow. I just watched it again the night before I watched Prey. So I watched it on Thursday night, the 4th, when Prey came out the 5th. And there's I don't like when they go and fight the Russians or whoever's in the jungle and their body count is just like a million because there's just so many so many Russian soldiers there. Um and every other death from the predator is either off-screen or really quick and not impactful. The only time that it gets really good is when Arnold is fighting it a couple times. So when I look at this movie stacked up against that, I like this better. I like the action better. I like the fights better. I like the way that the Predator used all of his gadgets in this more. And so I think I rank this above number one, which may be blasphemous, but I think it's a better telling of that story. Anyway, Eric, where can people find you? Uh, they can find me at Eric underscore Walensky on the old Insta uh, or on Facebook. Uh, give me a shout. Give me a ring. Awesome. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Letterboxd at Fildimo, F-I-L-D-I-M-O. And don't forget to follow the podcast at Podcast Ruined on Instagram and Twitter. 
We appreciate you taking this trip back 300 years to the early 1700s with us, and we hope that this look back at Prey didn't ruin your childhood. Could it be I've misunderstood? This podcast ruined my childhood. This is as far as you go. No more. This is it. People can find me, um, in the middle of a French fur trapper camp making pancakes now. <laughs>